Welcome everybody to episode 9 of the Never Watchers podcast. My name is Pete, I am one of your co-hosts, uh, I am the Watcher, uh, and I'm joined as always by the Never Watcher himself, Kurt Lewin. Hi everyone, hi Pete. How you doing? Um, Hello mate. I'm very well, but um, yeah, could be better. Not mm, enough. Yeah, we were yeah. Yeah, we were talking briefly just before the start of the recording. That, oh, no, that, that I, was interesting, but no. <laughs> oh no, no, nothing to do with um, my car. Okay. Um, it's uh, I'm, I, I was referencing this film. Oh right, okay. You you wanted to go straight <laughs> into it, blimey. Okay, so yeah. let's let's just dive straight into it. We're covering for the Dark World today. Um, I'm gonna be uh, perfectly honest and upfront here. This film is universally hated by most. So yeah. I'd, I'd heard I'd heard that, and um, so yeah, I, everyone was right. <laughs> it's my bit. Yeah, um, this I film. Felt... So uh, obviously, without going into too much detail about the plot and general sort of for bits and bobs with the film, you've made it very aware that you're not very big of a fan of this movie. <laughs> No. Okay, so uh, what exactly was it that you just didn't like about it? Specific, like just vaguely touching on certain well, things. So, well, that's uh, the, this was the first time after watching the f- a film for this, mm. where af- afterwards I've had to go and then watch um, like YouTube recaps because oh, yeah. I literally had no idea by the end. What had happened, really? Yeah. Well, va- a, a va- only vaguely. Yeah. And that, and and watching the recaps, it was telling me stuff that um, I had just gone way over my head because it, it hadn't been explained very well in the film. Yep. I didn't, I didn't feel. Mm-hmm. Um. So I just thought, it, yeah, it was, I just a, a bit of a mess, really. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna hunt. And by far the most confusing. Mm. So, film I've seen so far. I agree. Um, when you have to go and do uh, additional reading or watching for something, then it shows that the plot and the the writing of said plot wasn't particularly well done. Um, we found obviously with this, if um, you know, well, I don't know because uh, sometimes you can have a film like the Christopher Nolan films where you end up doing research afterwards. Yeah, I. Agree. But I kind of wouldn't put that on the same stratosphere as this yeah, film. <laughs> I would agree. Um, the only thing I would say about the Christopher Nolan movies is that uh, the confines of the plot are are explained within the plot. Like the you know, the general sort of rules of, of engagement in let let's use Inception in this one. They they talk about obviously in that film the dream states and the dream levels and the rules around that, you know, the the subconscious of the dreamer can attack the the invading people, you know, all that sort of thing. That is clearly very well explained in the movie, and it, the payoff as a result of it is much better. Whereas in this, it feels like there is a lot of backstory and a lot of um, a lot of stuff that has, seems to have come from the comics that I haven't translated too well into the general audience. So mm. if you have to go and, and specifically read up about certain things that aren't properly explained in the plot, then I feel your plot is not very well done. No, and I think uh, 
there's only one way in which viewing this film could have been made worse, and that was if it was the first uh, film in the Marvel universe that you'd seen, because then you'd just literally have you'd be you'd have no idea what's going on. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. If this was if this was in Phase this... One and this was the introduction to Four, or just generally the MCU, then this would be awful. Like, I don't think yeah. I don't well, think this, anyone this would film... want to watch the MCU after this one. <laughs> no. Well, th- this film definitely assumes that the audience knows um, the characters already. And maybe, um, I suppose there was that too. That did happen with Iron Man 3, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I, I find that this is so just, I, yeah. I find this is generally just a problem with sequels as a whole. And I think we had this discussion when we were talking about Iron Man 2, is that they don't spend a lot of time um, introducing the hero or you know, the general players because no. they believe that you've already watched the first film so they tend to have a bit mm. of a pacing problem where it starts out phonetic, the middle sort of dips and then it gets phonetic towards the end I think we found that with mm. Iron Man 2 this is a very different case in the fact that it's not a phonetic opening, it's quite dull uh, it stays dull throughout the film and then <laughs> gets even worse yeah so Shall we dive into the dullness? We, we shall, but I should uh, at least uh, acknowledge the cast members that tried. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, returning as for is Chris Hemsworth, uh, Jane Foster, once again played by Natalie Portman, uh, Tom Hiddleston returns as Loki, uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins as Odin, Idris Elba as Heimdall. Uh, so this is where some of the, uh, well, I'd say returning characters, Kat Dennings as Darcy Lewis, and Stellan Skarsgård as Eric, Dr. Eric Selvig. Uh, new characters, we had Christopher Eccleston playing Malekith, who is the main bad guy in this movie. Uh, we had Jamie Alexander playing Lady Sif. Zachary Levi playing uh, Fandral. This is where some of this is going to get very confusing. Um, Rene Russo was playing Frigga, and we had an uh, Adewale Akinoyu Agbeji. Uh, that's the best that I'm going to do. Apologies. Uh, playing Curse, which I believe is the right-hand man to um, Malekith. Uh, written by... Um, these two names are going to sound quite uh, familiar to you. One of them is not. Uh, Christopher Yost, um, Christopher Marcus, and Stephen McFeely. Now, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely were responsible for writing Captain America, the first Avenger. Right. Uh, this is directed by Alan Taylor. Uh, now, I have no idea who Alan Taylor is. I didn't really look into his IMDb profile that much, so we'll move on. So, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the plot, so let's start this thing. Yeah. So, we start in uh, Odin, um, before Odin with his father, fa- father Bor. Yeah. Um, so, there's, it starts off with a battle with... Um, the elves who's led by um, Mal- Malkith yeah. um, and it's to keep her this battle is all about um, a weapon known as the Aether of the Nine Realms yeah. um, and Bor goes to their home world of um, Svart Svartalheim probably the best, the best pronunci- yeah. pronunciation you could attempt yeah. on that one yeah so he defeats um uh, Malkith and his army mm-hmm. and um it 
Bor then like safeguards the ether within a stone column. Yeah. Uh, but what Bor doesn't know is that Malkeith and his lieutenant uh, Alcrim um, managed to escape into suspended uh, animation. Yeah. So um, we flash forward to the present day Asgard and Loki's imprisoned for his war crimes mm. on Earth. Uh, Thor and all of his mates um, on the home world of um, Hogan um, where there's another battle taking place yeah. um, in a war to pacify the Nine Realms and I believe this is like the final battle mm-hmm. um, to take place yeah so if uh, you remember rightly from the end of uh, the first four movie the Bifrost is gone uh, the Nine Realms yeah. are in absolute chaos after Loki is pretty much as well as the Avengers has pretty much caused commotion um, for for his task with basically bringing peace to the nine realms and quelling the uh, the uprising, let's say, and, and it's yeah. the uh, it's the soldiers of um, or the unit of Asgard, which is this. These are the elite soldiers, basically, which includes Lady Sif, Andrel, and um, a few others. Yeah, but they are so they, they are uh, basically going out and abs- kicking ass, pretty much. Yeah, and this is one of the. Uh, this features one of two, two maybe three points in the film, that had a slight um, chuckle, because um, normally these films have quite a few moments that make you smile, make you have a, a laugh, sometimes make you really laugh. I'm sure I know which um, moment this is, but go on. Um, the bit when that yeah. huge monster comes and <laughs> Thor just smashes him. Yeah. Kind, kind of, kind of reminiscent of that scene in um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh yeah, where, where uh, the sword fighter yeah. is like literally just—he's just doing all these things, and Indy just shoots him. Yeah, yeah, it did remind me of that, but just less impactful than that scene because it's been seen quite a fair oh, yeah, few yeah. times since that. You know, and bear in yeah. mind that happened in the eighties. So <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, that that happens, uh, and. It's also at this time that the Asgardians discover the Convergence, which is a rare alignment of the Nine Realms, is on the horizon. Mm. Uh, This results in many portals randomly appearing across various worlds, including uh, on Earth in uh, London. Yeah, uh, I mean... Which is uh, conveniently where Jane Foster is. Oh yeah, like massive convenience that she just so happens to be around the... Uh, the po- the point where you know the convergence is happening, and she just so happens, without knowing it, she happens to be studying the convergence. They yeah. even mentioned that it was like she doesn't. I think it's when uh, obviously I'm skipping slightly ahead here. It's when they go to Asgard with uh, Jane, where they I think it's one of the doctors or something who's tasked with like looking after her says that she sort of they know that she's supposed to be she is essentially learning this or knowing about this without actually realizing she's studying it it's very unusual but you would have thought someone like selvig would have been able to tell her knowing that you know he's been in contact with an infinity stone and his heart got unlocked and his mind got unlocked by loki it's Mm. all a bit strange surely he would know about the convergence from that yeah. yeah, and, and well, hang on, hang on, hang on. So actually, he knows about the convergence. He's the one who knows the most about it, and yet he he randomly goes missing for mo- most of the movie. 
Yeah. You know, and then and then just so happens to come back at the most convenient point to explain everything so easily. Thanks. Yeah, this is one of my problems is that um, a lot of it seems too convenient. Like when well, we're not jumping ahead here because this happens right where yeah. we are in the plot. Um, but when um, Jane gets sucked into one of these um, portals, mm-hmm. um, well, th- this is also one of the other funny moments. This is the bit with the the shoe. Um, oh yeah, yeah. When she has to take the um, work experience guy's shoe, put in the portal. Yeah. And all the stuff that happens with the put playing around with the portals was um, raised a smile. Mm. Now, um, I don't know if you got this impression right. Does it? Uh, for me, Kat Dennings once again absolutely kills this performance with the fact that she is probably the most comedic part of the whole film. Um, yeah. Do you feel like they sort of just let her do what she wants in this one? Yeah, I can see yeah, that. Yeah, it's like it's like they they scripted something for her, and she just went, "Nah, this sounds better." Like the like the <laughs> yeah. couple of uses of the S word. Like she was allowed mm. one, but then one got censored later on, which is a bit weird. But it, it's where um it the work experience guy chucks the keys in. She just looks at it, it was like. Well, those are the keys to the car. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The delivery alone was good enough for me as well. And it's just like, I, I knew that line was coming as soon as I saw the keys being thrown. I was like, yeah. oh God. Yeah. Well, I th- that was just a stupid thing to do anyway, because you'd already seen that sometimes this stuff doesn't come out the other end. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, I'd, that guy was just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> He's the like he's the smartest dumb person i think i've ever seen in my life or the dumbest smart person i have no idea because he's a work experience guy you would imagine he has some sort of intelligence yeah no idea um so and yeah jane gets uh sucked into one of these and then um yeah the, the, it was just a bit too convenient for me that mm-hmm. um she's sent to the exact realm where the ether is which is going to form such a huge part of um, like Thor's story yeah I think I think the fact uh, I think the fact of the matter is is that she's conveniently in London she's conveniently still working with Selvig despite the fact that he's clearly a criminal Um, you know after the events of the Avengers Um, she conveniently gets sucked into the realm of the you know that realm with the Aoife and she's uh you know, seems a bit convenient. The Efer chooses her. Yeah, it's all a bit convenient. Yeah, and I know you've got to suspend your disbelief for the films, and you could argue that well, if it, if she if this stuff didn't happen, yeah. then there wouldn't be a film. Absolutely. But um, but I, th- I, th- I don't know. I just think they could have just come up with a better plot. I agree overall uh, i do i do <laughs> agree story. but at least they didn't go with the usual cliche of clearly alien thing let's touch it with no gloves at least mm. like the ether actually attacked her yeah so we're getting to that point i guess didn't she put her hand in uh, it she, I thought she put her well, hand she, in the she gap. was walking around the the box that contains the ether she sort of has her hand lingering but not going fully in uh, and mm. then the Aoife decides that you know there's someone here. I'm gonna I'm right. gonna take you over basically. Mm. 
Okay. The, the, the well, really weird. I, I, I'll get into this now because the really weird thing that I found about this is that when you see the Efa uh, in the opening with Malekith and uh, Bor, was it the um, grandfather of Odin? Um, hmm. it's very clear that he has the Efa. Like his eyes go a very certain color. He, you know, the abilities that he has has a red tinge to everything. But yet, when Natalie Portman has it, you don't even know she has it straight away. And it's only during certain scenes where it plays a uh, plays a pivotal role in the fact that, you know, let just moving slightly on. There's a moment later on in Asgard, obviously, where Odin is not very happy that she's there, and when he tries to eject her and get thrown out, the Efer attacks. It's very odd I don't like they don't clearly explain the rules of the Aoife very well in this movie no sorry I, I know I'm jumping so, slightly ahead but there are certain things about no, this no, no. it's just so ridiculous yeah so um, when uh, Heimdall t- lets Thorne know that um, Boster is no longer in his in his sights mm. uh, Thor goes down to earth and tracks her down yeah. And thought Foster accidentally releases the ether into the world again when she heads to Asgard with him. Yeah. Uh, when they get there, Odin recognizes the ether is in her and he warns that it will not only kill Foster but also set into motion a catastrophic uh, pro- prophecy. Yeah, and and it's uh, the fact that Malekith has been woken from basic from cryo sleep in this one because the ether has has awoken. Yeah. And that's when they decide to attack Asgard. Yeah. Which I, I'll um, be honest here, I actually really like the fact that the vast majority of this film was set on Asgard this time. Yeah, because that is it's um, it is an, a, a good setting, mm. like with the whole CGI and stuff. It looks it looks it nice. does look really nice, and it's the fact that it's Thor's homeworld, and yet the first movie he's banished out of there for a fair while. The Avengers, you see absolutely none of it. And, and then with this one, it's sort of like, well, yeah, we probably better show his home world, you know, see some of the relationships he has with some of the people and uh, his mother and his father and, you know, focus a little bit more on, on for the person, not for the incredible hero, basically. Mm. They, they had some nice touches let's be honest There's not, it's not all doom and gloom for this movie there were some nice bits about it but yeah and this this one moment that we're going to come on to now is one bit I thought was quite mm-hmm. good was when um, Thor's mother dies oh. protecting Foster okay yeah uh, so now I had forgotten this happened uh, <laughs> oh, right, this okay. uh this is only the second time that I've watched this movie because the first time I walked away from it and went, oh, I'm never watching this again. Uh, thanks, mm. thanks, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but this hit home. This really did hit hit quite hard because Rene Russo does a great job with her, with Frigga. She's a really good character. Um, yeah. I just think... And I just thought uh, that the relationship with um, Thor was good. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 she yeah. Has, he has a really good relationship with her. I also thought that the relationship with um, with Foster was actually pretty good as well. You know, whilst yeah. um, I feel Natalie Portman was once again a bit wasted in this script, uh, or she's coasting, 
she at least gives a bit more oomph to it than the fir- than the first film. Yeah. Uh, so after his um, uh, Frigga dies, um, Odin has ordered Thor not to leave Asgard, but he does so anyway. Yeah. Um, and enlisting the help of Loki on the way because he. Loki is the only one who knows of a secret portal to um, the elf planet. Yeah, so now, um, the only thing that we've obviously skipped over is the fact that Loki, you know, has has gone back to Asgard. He is a prisoner of Asgard. Um, Mm. And, you know, he's in the cells for the vast majority of the movie, even when the the insurgence is happening from the Dark Elves. Uh, in fact, yeah. he even instructs one of them the right way to go up to up to Odin's throne room. So yeah. uh, it even plays into the fact later on in the movie where I think one of that guy actually does say to Malekith, "No, he's a familiar. He he's with us. Basically, he's an enemy of Asgard." Yeah. So him, um, him, and but he has he has like a bit of a, a breakdown, doesn't he? In his cell. oh, he does. Yeah, like. He doesn't want to make it very aware. This is after Frigga dies that you know he's upset about it because he puts the you know the illusion up that his cell is untouched and then he's literally you know takes the illusion down and he's sat against the wall and it's all smashed up and he looks like absolute hell basically. Yeah, I thought that was uh, once again you know take nothing away from the performances that were had in this movie there were some really good performances Tom Hiddleston once again absolutely kills it as Loki yeah it's just and it uh, yeah and by the end it does um does make me intrigued to see where this Loki character is is gonna go Mm. because um I'm not quite sure whether he's a baddie or a goodie so to speak at this moment okay um there are some films later on down the timeline where he makes more predominant appearances. Um, I'm mm. not going to say anything more about it, but this might be the last time you see him for a fair while. Right. Well, I do have to say that in the in this next scene that we're talking about, when um, they go to lure out Malkith mm-hmm. and, he, and uh, Loki gets killed, yep. Um I knew then he he wasn't actually dead, just only because I've seen like posters for huge films <laughs> before, which is. I mean, it. that's the unfortunate side of doing this podcast now, where every single yeah. film is like at this point is already out. That you know, like yeah. through um, through the fact that these are incredibly popular movies, that you are unintentionally going to see some new- stuff. Yeah, there's even a new sh- TV show coming out soon, isn't they, called Loki? <laughs> or he's certainly the main character. Oh, I forgot so. about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, so, yeah, that kind of was like, oh, yeah, I've just seen four The Dark World. Oh, yeah, new trailer for Loki, the TV series. Is out. Yeah, he's definitely not dead, is he? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that um, Loki gets killed anyway as in, in that scene on, on the elves' planet. Um, it was quite a nice because um, um, I, I did think at first that um, Loki had betrayed Thor when he cut his arm off oh. but it was a kind of a nice um, a nice twist yeah I kind of did as well I forgot about that so when I saw that I went hang on what what I, I don't remember Thor, Thor without an arm I was yeah. like 
oh yeah okay he's used oh, his yeah. you know he's used his power to create the illusion fair enough okay good idea yeah yeah like, I'll give I, I will give him that and I actually think that they realized after the Avengers that actually the uh his ability should play more of a role into who he is because you see mm-hmm. it a couple of times through through the Avengers where he obviously creates the uh the illusion for four to get stuck in that giant cage that gets thrown out of the the air carrier basically so yeah i'm glad that i had a bit more of an so- impetus on on his actual powers because i find that they get sort of relegated a little bit and some some heroes don't tend to show their abilities off very frequently mm. so we see that um, the ether is extracted by Malekith out of Foster, mm. but Thor, Thor fails in his uh, attempt to destroy it. So Malekith uses the opportunity to become one with the ether and then leaves in his ship. Yeah. Um, so um, I think what it is is that I think Odin has specifically said for Thor not to do this. He doesn't want. He doesn't yeah. want to look. He doesn't want Thor taking. Um, the Dark Elves' most powerful weapon straight to Malekith. But Thor does it anyway. Mm. Because Thor is yeah. Thor, and I guess this movie needs to happen. Um, well, I, I, I thought it was just so he could get it out of Foster. I think that was probably the main assumption from he loves it, her. is that he, he yeah. cares enough about her that he doesn't want to see this take her over and lose lose her, basically. And I get that. Yeah, But we have kind of seen throughout you know in the first four movie that he doesn't tend to listen to his dad at all either so it's just four being four but it does like the fact is that there is a poignant moment at the end of the film um with this where this actually does play into it so i can sort of understand why they went this direction so loki was managing uh to trick uh, Malkith into well yeah Loki has just died yeah so yeah he's trying to trick Malkith so, basically into you know thinking he yeah, he's so, part he's he's not an Asgardian basically yeah so next Thor and Foster catch a portal in a nearby cave um, which takes them back to London to meet um, with Foster's mentor Dr. Selvig mm-hmm. um and Selvig had a, a brief stint um, in a like a psychiatry hospital, I suppose, yeah. um, because of Loki's attack on him in the previous Thor yeah, film. Yeah, so after being um, uh, awoken by the Tesseract, let's say, um, he goes a bit mad and he gets arrested for streaking at Stonehenge. Now, that yeah. actually was funny. I will admit that, like, watching him streak on BBC News was quite funny. Oh, no. I need to correct you Oh, was it Sky? No. ITV. Oh, for God's sakes, of course. And I've never seen ITV in a film. Yeah, I... It's always BBC. It's always BBC or Sky. I've seen Sky a fair few times, especially in the Bourne Ultimatum. Um, Right. Or, like some of the or they might see one of the US news channels yeah it's usually Fox or CNN or BBC over here or Sky News and it's just yeah. so fair so I was surprised to see ITV yeah okay that. I yeah. can I can take that big up 
big up ITV, I guess. <laughs> Clearly, they uh, they put more money down the BBC. <laughs> mm. Um. So yeah. Um. In the next um scene, Malkif is looking to unleash the ether at the epicenter of the convergence in uh, Greenwich, which um I think one of the Americans. Well, yeah. Right. This 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 was a, a point <laughs> I distinctly remember. Yeah, about I think film. I saw you put this on Twitter, and I was waiting for this to come up. Yeah, so just in case any of our listeners um, didn't see this on Twitter, um, uh, someone, which character is it that's asking it's how to four. get to He, ta- he actually Greenwich. takes a tube train, doesn't he? train, doesn't he? Yeah, so, he's, it's, so the point is, is at Charing Cross. Yep. And um, he asks um, how many stops away um, Greenwich is. And this the, this lady says three stops, and that that's just totally that's inaccurate. So in, that's so I, ridiculous. So when I worked in London, Charing Cross was a station I used to get off at for work every single day, yeah. and Greenwich is nowhere near. No, <laughs> three and stops. And to be honest with you, Gren- maybe times it by yeah, ten. Yeah, Greenwich is not one of the easiest stops to even get to. I think there's only like one or two lines that even go there. But yeah, they're making they're making this out that it was the quickest journey from Charing Cross to Greenwich, which is, I'll be perfectly honest with you, that's halfway across the other side of the city. Yeah. So, someone clearly didn't geography this one. I, no. I know why they Definitely. I know why they did it. They wanted it to be impactful, and they wanted it to sort of be like, yeah, we don't want to keep you away from the action for too long. So yeah, three stops up the line. Oh no, but just choose the right, just choose the right station. Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't need to specifically mention that it was Charing Cross. They could have chose another station that was somewhere close by. You know. Yeah. Well, to be fair, they don't, they don't, they don't mention that it is Charing Cross. They just, it's you just see that it's Charing Cross. Um, yeah. In the background. Um, but and most, I'd probably say that 99% of the audience are not even... That's not going to clock with them if they've got no knowledge of no, London. No, but people like um, us who obviously... Ha- you know, <laughs> yeah. you've worked in London. I've been in London quite a lot over the years. I've travelled those tube systems more times than I ever want to like, admit. So I knew that this the, mm. the geography side of things and the logistical side of things, it was completely weak. It was, And when I saw that tweet go up, I went... Yeah, he's dead on the money here. That's totally ridiculous. It's, yeah. I don't know why they chose that. I just... I can't understand it. And also, why Greenwich, of all bloody places? Yeah, because I thought... I thought, oh, is there going to be a battle on the Millennium Dome? Or something? Yeah, the Millennium Dome? I haven't... Like, tomorrow never, da- tomorrow <laughs> yeah, never dies. I haven't heard anyone call it the Millennium Dome in years. <laughs> It's oh, yeah, it's called now, the isn't O2, it? isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That, that that throws me back to when I actually was up there before the, the horror <laughs> thing was even built. So. <laughs> In Tomorrow Never Dies, it's the Millennium Dome, I think. I thought it was the world is not enough. Oh, yeah, yeah sorry. It's, That's poor it, of me. That's very poor yeah, of me. Yeah, because the world is not enough. It's Bond the old um, the speedboat around the side of the Millennium Dome, and he uh, ends up ruining his arm on one of this, 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 um, the beams, isn't it? So, yeah. Anyway, moving away from James Bond movies into crap. crap. I'm actually ashamed of myself <laughs> don't, now. Don't be ashamed. We all make mistakes. <laughs> and and to be... To just be, like... Just, just like... 
Just like the people who did this Charing Cross. There you uh, go. Point proven. Yeah, it's easy so. done. It's very easy done. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so. Yes. So, um, yeah, they're at uh, Greenwich and um, we've got all these portals um, opening oh. up left, right okay. and centre. Very, very cool visually. Not going to lie, the nine rounds opening up and all causing that line looked pretty cool. Yeah. Kind of a... Yeah, I'd agree. But I kind of thought it was a confusing... Um, set piece uh, yeah in terms of actually watching oh absolutely it. Uh, not uh, legit kind of too much going too on much you know they they suffer with this problem i think after the avengers for quite a few movies right this yeah and you've also got the moment where um when the work experience guy saves um <sighs> sorry uh, what was I darcy my name Darcy. Um, I hated this. I really, 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 really <laughs> hated this because it was so telegraphed from the first moment yeah. that you saw him. Oh, look, bumbling idiot turns into ultimate hero. Shut up. This this is such yeah. a trope and in movies, and I absolutely hate it. The other big trope is, oh, yeah, just, he's just been saved yeah. by him. I must fall in love with him. Yeah, and kiss him in the middle of everything that's going off. <laughs> yeah. Disappointing, let's say. Yeah. yeah. Eye yeah, rolling, that, yeah. I, I was trying to figure the best way to describe it. Yeah, eye rolling is without a doubt the only way you can sort of go, go that way. Because I was watching this on, uh, on the weekend and I thought the exact same thing when I was watching it. I went, ugh, really? This trope? <laughs> this trope? A lot of this movie's a lot of this movie is actually tropes. It's disappointing to say the least. Yeah. The dark trope. <laughs> <laughs> um oh. so uh one of the portals uh like it brings the ship that Malkif was on mm -hmm. into Earth, doesn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Um, I'm trying to remember now because uh, it's like that final scene. Yeah, is well, this just... is the thing you just can't remember anything because it's just a mess. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, yeah. It's so hard. So I want to watch the recap again. Like, I probably should recap this in the couple of days between watching this, but I shouldn't have to. The problem is, is that every no, exactly. other movie, like we've done the similar thing. We'll watch it the weekend before. Well, like, I'll, I'll, re I'll read out the exact paragraph here of um, of the plot to okay. give us both. Uh, a clearer idea of what happened. So, Malkith looks to unleash the ether at the epicenter of the convergence in Greenwich, thus restoring the Dolph, Dark Elf's uh, domination over the realm. Thor must now battle him through various portals on multiple worlds. When one portal separates the two, leaving Malkith unopposed on Earth, um, and however Thor returns in time just to help Foster and Selvig use their fancy dancy. Yeah. Um, uh, scientific equipment to transport Malkith back to his home planet. Okay. Um, so, um, once there, his own damaged ship crushes him to death. Yeah. Oh, yes, I do remember that now. Yeah, because it's sort of like it's falling on Earth, isn't it? And then it gets transported and it, or through through the dimensions. Yeah. So, what, 
What are they? What is Foster and Selvig doing with that equipment? Like, are they? Your guess is about. Because they just, they just, yeah, because they're just running around with some equipment, but for what yeah, purpose? This... It is probably explained at some point. So but, this, if I um, remember, yeah, so they they, they're putting these poles up, aren't they? Like her, Darcy, yeah. and Selvig I'd... are all putting these uh, remote-controlled electrical poles up. Yeah. Now I can't I can't so, believe I remembered that they were doing that, but I don't understand <laughs> what it was supposed to do to stop Malakif. No. He's a he's a being of another world like another world with a power that is otherworldly. How does this this normal human I assume stuff that this equip- work? Yeah, I, I assume that the equipment was um, there to detect where these portals were going to go up, which is how they knew to okay, be in Greenwich. and that would make sense as well with the fact that Selvig also was carrying them when he was arrested at Stonehenge. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they're supposed to be detectors, but they end up having like a secondary function to them, don't they? And I think there's like a proximity sensor in them and like Foster manages to set one of them off that causes damage or I don't know this is this is just a... yeah well some are, some of that some of this equipment yeah it, tran- it and with the help of Thor it manages to send Malakith back to um Svartelheim his yeah, own planet well, well let's just say they um they they make some pseudoscience out of this to send him back yeah don't know how they do it so yeah, with the battle now over, Thor returns to back to Asgard victorious. Uh, Odin offers Thor his throne, um, but Thor declines. Instead, he tells his father of Loki's sacrifice earlier yeah. in the film, um, and then turns to leave. And then it's at this point we see Odin transform into Loki, yes. who is alive. Okay, as well. so this is the scene that I was specifically talking about when I said you have a poignant moment between Thor and Odin, where he says. Oh, I had I had one son who wanted the f- the throne too much, and another son who now doesn't want it at all. Um, but then he turns around and says like, he says something about being his king, and then he has like this really touching moment where he says to him, as a father, basically, this is what I want you to do, basically. And I thought that was good. Yeah. And then and then obviously it's spoiled yeah. by the fact that it's like, oh yeah, it's Loki, and where where the actual hell is Odin at this point then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had a lot of questions it, after it, this. So, first was how is Loki still alive, and B, where is has he killed Odin? Yeah. Is Odin just um, somewhere else? Uh, either that, or they ran out of budget, um, couldn't afford Anthony Hopkins' paycheck anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So it's it, it. So it did leave me with some intriguing questions. Th- yeah, I uh, think that's the only intriguing question to be had from the end of that movie is the fact that. Where the hell is Odin? Yeah, yeah. And, and I was intrigued as to how Loki was still alive. Yeah, uh, I'll be. Uh, let me be honest here. I think they yardy yardy are over that. If I'm like, if I'm remembering rightly from other movies that come later on, I don't think they properly explain it. And I'm, right, okay. <laughs> but I could be wrong. And if that is the case, then I'm disappoint. I'll be disappointed, but still. Yeah. Well, I'd be very disappointed because that's yeah, poor. it really is. Like, if, like in terms of story structure, they should have, 
it might have been a deleted scene. It's possible, but I have no idea really whether or not they kept they tried to keep something in with that. But they need to properly explain how how that he has actually like died, a, yeah. or if he hasn't died, because it's they make it very yeah. very clear that he's dead. Like even the music, you know, for having his moment, you know, the fact that he tells his old man that he's dead, and it's like, okay, yeah, so we're doing all of this for you to have this. Oh, this big reveal of Loki being dead, but he's done this too many times before, so we don't care. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose the only thing I could think of is because we have seen that he makes clones of himself. Yeah. That is possible. That's the um, only possible outcome that I think that could work is the fact that he that actually wasn't him; it was one of his copies. Yeah, but then the, I'd still have the question of well, when when he got killed, where was where and was also, he? If if it was a copy, then it wouldn't just be lying motionless on the floor like that. It would have been like it has been shown in previous ones. Like, for example, when he creates the copy to trick four in the Avengers, it disappears once he jumps through him. So why hmm. doesn't he? Why doesn't it disappear when he gets um, mortally wounded? Let's say. It's yeah. weird. It's very weird. Anyway, should we go over a bit of trivia with this film? There's not yep. a lot because. Or shall we? Or shall we go over the? Oh, post credits. Um, post credits. Uh, yeah. So I've got. I've got to admit here, I missed one of them because I wasn't expecting. The <laughs> me too. Because no, no. Normally, in the, when the film has has ended, um, I don't like literally. I don't watch the credits. I just like hover my mouse over the. Um, time oh yeah 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 see I found that there's a really cool thing with Disney Plus actually is that if they know that there's a post credit sequence in there they will have uh, the option to script, to skip it but because there was right. a mid credit sequence in it and this is the first one that they've done it by the way um, mm. they had multiple and it was just I started like because I was playing it on my Xbox like on that one you can literally just press the D-pad and it will start skipping through so I started skip, like right. held on to it, and I went, "What the hell was that?" And I just had to skip back, and I was like, "Oh yeah, there's a mid-credit sequence in this film. Of course there is." And then I was like, "Oh, does that mean that I can stop now?" So I skip, just skip forward, and I went, "Oh yeah, there's another sequence. God's sakes!" So the first one, I don't even, I actually don't even remember what happens in either of them. So the first one is. Um... Volstagg and Sif, which are two of Thor's yep. mates, I believe, they visit someone called Tanlia Tivan. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, um, yeah, the... yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, yeah, with the Taz- Tesseract already in Asgard, having two Infinity Stones so close together wouldn't be a smart mm-hmm. move. Um, and as they leave, uh, Tivan states his dis- desire to acquire the other five stones. Yes, so... Um, you've mentioned him by his proper name there, which I don't think a lot of people will actually know. Um, he is actually in this universe. He's known as a col- as the collector. Um, right. Now, really unusual thing. This is setting up another movie that's in this phase. I won't tell you which one because we're getting close to it anyway. He does play a bit more of a role in that movie, um, but. In terms of the actual uh, Marvel Marvel comics, uh, I believe 
I believe he's a, a celestial, which is basically a god. Right. So um, he's quite an important character throughout the um, uh, the quote unquote Infinity Saga. We'll call it. Right. So, um, so after that, it's a pretty boring scene, really. Um, it's uh, just Jane or um, is waiting for a. Oh no! So J- Jane and like her colleagues are in her flat. And then a portal opens in on the balcony when Thor appears, and they just have a oh hug. yeah. And then you see one of the one of the beasts that has come through one of the portal just rampaging oh, through yeah. the. Yeah, it was one of those like rhino like things, wasn't it? Yeah. Which was a uh, really freaking kinda... pointless scene. Well, yeah, and I, like, how are they gonna get rid of that? Uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I've never seen it again, so they clearly didn't care. <laughs> no, it's just. Still I think there. it was there to be comedic, but it was. Yeah. Oh, well, oh it yeah. Was, it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny. And this scene no. is pointless. And you made me. Yo, know, you have to. What are they gonna do with it? Stick it in a zoo or something? <laughs> <laughs> Not even just that. It's, 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 it's the absolute. Just... Like, I'll be honest here, and I might actually have to censor this moment. I'm not sure. But it's the absolute balls on on Marvel and the ridiculousness of making them sit, making audiences in cinema who saw this originally sit through <laughs> nearly fifteen minutes worth of credits just for this crappy scene. Like it takes mm. the piss, to be honest. Yeah, I'd be. Annoyed. I, I, I would I'd be, be fuming. I mean, this isn't the worst offender because there is a film in the fir- in the third wow. phase that is equally if not worse than this and I'm going to tell you now I'm not going to tell you the film but there are five there are five post credit sequences in that movie and it's ridiculous they really <laughs> like in the third phase they kind of ramped a lot of it up and some some of the stuff that they ramped up was just the stuff that you didn't want like the post credit sequences mm. it's just clueless it was clueless so mm. So, yeah, let's look at yeah, the trivia. So, I didn't actually know this about the first movie, but Chris Hemsworth actually grew, uh, had a wig for it. But in this one, he actually right. grew his hair. He wanted it to be more authentic, and it took him over a year to grow it. Now, as someone right. who actually once had long hair before, I can that's, I, I can um, confirm that fact. It takes a long time to get hair like that. So, um, apparently... Have, um, uh, when you fit, yes. Carry on, and then I'll. I'll oh, no, I was done. All. I was just saying that it's a. Uh, it takes a oh, long right. time to grow authentically long hair like that. Um, I was I was just gonna bring up that um, Alan Taylor's previous films. Mm. Uh, it's not. It's okay. not good. <laughs> God. Well, to me, to me, well, to be fair, there's only one that I've Which seen, is? and it wasn't good. Um. Terminator Genesis. Moving on. <laughs> uh, basically, took a hot, fiery dump on an already like middling franchise at that point. Okay, yeah. yeah we, we we Do you want to know? The, you want to know the uh, others? Um, well, just give tell me, the give me a couple others. So the Emperor's new clothes. Oh, God. And then the only other, well, the only other two are one called Pal- Palookaville. And kill the poor. 
Hmm. And then he's done a load of. Um, he's done like quite a few um, TV yeah, shows. Yeah, that would make sense. Okay. Um. So apparently Loki wasn't originally going to be in this movie. Um. It right. was supposed to have a greater focus on Malekith and the Dark Elves. Uh, that clearly would have gone down a right storm. Um, but due yeah. to his popularity in the Avengers, the script was rewritten to give him a bigger role. Which, I'll be honest, it sort of is quite noticeable. Because for certain parts of the movie, he's wasted. And then he just suddenly springs into action. And then, did you notice as well that during certain sections of uh, when the Dark Elves actually come to attack... Asgard, they do tend to have a focus on shooting back to Loki doing absolutely nothing in itself for no reason. It's mm, all a bit yeah. strange, but anyway. Um, speak. Shall, shall we? Uh, I was going to say yeah, one more uh, fact. Uh, director Alan Taylor was apparently unhappy with how this movie turned out. Uh, he's. Well, there's no surprises. <laughs> yeah, though. apparently, even though he had full creative control whilst the movie was in production or shot, he stated that the studio turned it into a different movie during post-production, a situation he hoped never to repeat and doesn't wish upon anybody else. All right. Um. Now, <laughs> can I? I'm going to say something really inflammatory here. Let's let let's see yeah. that Taylor cut. Let's see that. <laughs> <laughs> if look, if yeah. if the DC fans could get the Schneider cut, then surely we can get the Taylor cut to the Dark World. Oh yeah. God! I'd like, I, I'd watch I wouldn't. <laughs> after after <laughs> this one, if if Marvel had to get involved and change some of this because it was so bad, then what the hell was the original movie like? God. Anyway, oh, yeah. let's move on to ratings. So, yeah. Well, I'm gonna. I think everyone's clear that this is my mm, least favorite yep. so far. Uh, I'd give it a 1.5. I think. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in total agreement. Like there is. Aside from the odd couple of comedic moments, this is a very forgettable movie. Clearly, proving the point that we couldn't even remember half of it, even though watching it a couple of days ago. It is yeah. quite bad. Um, yeah, this. I think this was the, there was a reason I'd only watched it the first time, and I remember the first time being bad enough that I never wanted to return again. So thanks, podcast, you made me return to the bad movie. But at least this time now, I can say I've watched it for a second time, and no, it still doesn't hold up at all. One one last question mm-hmm. then, like. Does it um, do the events of this film really affect the um, the rest of the the um, universe? Yes, un- unfortunately so. Um, right. Well, no. Well, at least it's justified then. In, yeah, in that this sense. movie is justified because it does um, it does you know gives you the um, the introduction into the ether and specifically tells you it is an infinity stone despite the fact that it's not actually a stone um, mm. and they make it very clear that they're setting up other other events elsewhere in the universe so introducing the collector in the post credit sequence clearly does that the fact that there is now another player who wants all six of these you know fair enough there are some 
some key things that have happened through it. There's also something that I didn't think about at the time, but uh, certain things to do with the portals and the convergence, not specifically the convergence itself, but the, the, the teleporting through portals does play into another uh, uh, Phase 3 movie, which I didn't think about until we were talking about it. Right. But we'll get onto that soon enough, okay. I guess. Alright. So, what is the next the film? The next film is... And I'm not going to tell you um, what people think about it until we get to the episode. Is Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Okay. So, that'll be episode 10 of, uh, you know, the Never Watchers podcast. The next one, which will be up in a couple of weeks. So, in the meantime... Um, where can they find us if they want to have some questions, some feedback, or if you so, want to just tell us why Malekith is the best villain in the, the MCU? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's um, on Twitter. We are at Neverwatchers, and uh, on you can contact us on email at ne- um, Neverwatchers at uh, gmail dot com. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself? Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it is uh, angry underscore Kurt. Yeah. And if you want to follow me, then you can do so on Twitter at Pete Beckett one spelled B-E-C-K-E-T-T, and the number one. Uh, not sure why you want to. It's mostly all game stuff. But anyway, uh, that aside, uh, this is going to wrap up episode nine, a short and sweet one, because I think it's pretty aware that we didn't really want to talk about this one in too much depth. Uh <laughs> So we'll be back for episode 10, which I said before was Captain America the Winter Soldier. So uh, until then, we will see you next time. Bye. All right. See you. Bye.